0: it was already twilight and there was much mist in the valley the pools of the river as i went down to it to drink for i was thirsty as well as cold seemed to be dark holes in the grayness and i got my drink ice cold and i thought it steadied my mind but would a river flowing in the god's secret valley do that or the clean contrary this is another of the things to be guessed For when I lifted my head and looked once more into the mist across the water, I saw that which brought my heart into my throat. There stood the palace, gray, as all things were gray in that hour and place, but solid and motionless, wall within wall, pillar and arch and architrave, acres of it, a labyrinth in beauty. As she had said, it was like no house ever seen in our land or age. Pinnacles and buttresses leaped up. No memories of mine, you would think, could help me to imagine them. Unbelievably tall and slender, pointed and prickly as if stone were shooting out into branch and flower. No light showed from any window. It was a house asleep. And somewhere within it, asleep also, someone or something how holy or horrible or beautiful or strange with psyche in its arms and i what had i done and said what would it do to me for my blasphemies and unbelievings i never doubted that i must now cross the river or try to cross it even if it should drown me I must lie on the steps at the great gate of that house and make my petition. I must ask forgiveness of Psyche as well as of the God. I had dared to scold her, dared, what was worse, to try to comfort her as a child. But all the time she was far above me, herself now hardly mortal, if what I saw was real. I was in great fear, perhaps it was not real. I looked and looked to see if it would not fade or change. Then, as I rose, for all this time, I was still kneeling where I had drunk. Almost before I stood on my feet, the whole thing was vanished. There was a tiny space of time in which I thought I could see how some swirlings of the mist had looked for the moment like towers and walls, but very soon, no likeness at all. I was staring simply into fog, and my eyes smarting with it. I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self.
1: Welcome back to the Inkling's Variety Hour. We are like an intellectual ice cold drink that steadies your mind, um, (laughs) flowing, flowing by the house of the gods. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote "Till We Have Faces" quickly in collaboration with his wife Joy Davidman, publishing it in 1956. But he'd really been developing it for 35 years, according to him, um, since his atheist undergraduate days. A reworking of the Cupid and Psyche myth from the point of view of one of Psyche's evil sisters, it had been written as an unfinished narrative poem. In these early versions, Oriol's anger at the gods is vindicated, and the gods are proven to be unjust. But Lewis's Christianity and success as a writer of prose ultimately changed both the genre of the poem and its outcome. After publication, Lewis considered it his finest novel. Um, this novel is notable for its interiority. Lewis explores the psychology of the Queen of Gloam, Oriole, from her childhood as an ugly princess until the loss of her favorite sister psyche, later lifting up the veil just a bit to allow us to see her fate in the age to come. Uh, I am Chris Pipkin. With me as usual to discuss this is Annika Smith. How are you doing, Annika?
0: I'm doing all right. How are you, Chris?
1: doing fine doing fine um how's the um how's dc treating you
0: uh it's lovely spring is upon us the rains have come uh i feel like someone must have committed human sacrifice because the birds are returning the blossoms are happening yeah just everything's coming up there are crocuses breaking forth out of the crested earth so that's great. So yeah. if
1: any of our listeners were responsible for this, um, you know, um, please do turn yourself in. Um, <laughs> human sacrifice is still illegal um in this country. Uh, you know, despite the what is it, First Amendment? Um one of one of those. Yeah. yeah.
0: So there's a, actually a great um religious liberty case on this for Santeria. Mm. You can sacrifice you can totally sacrifice um roosters i'm oh, not a yeah. lawyer this is not legal advice but um yeah you can totally sacrifice roosters well the i mean Church obviously of right luku I mean, lukumi yeah, yeah. Mm. um because this town in florida was targeting a santeria priest um and saying he couldn't slaughter chickens and the supreme court said yes you can so
1: yes you can that's right slaughter slaughter chickens wow yeah. Oh, man. Whenever you say Santeria, all I can think of is that I sublime I don't practice song. Santeria. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Same.
1: Just, takes just, me just back. think
0: about working on religious liberty issues and oh, having to, like, go Lukumi, Santeria, and, like, have sublime in your head while you're yeah. talking to First Amendment litigators. It's really, really uncomfortable.
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, apologies to any practitioners of Santeria that we've offended, um, you know, who I know are some of our most avid listeners uh, <laughs> to this podcast. All right. So let's, let's talk about um, Till We Have Faces before we get ourselves in more trouble, uh, either with practitioners of Santeria or with people who want to sue them. So the, the quote comes after Oriol, the princess of gloom, um, has just found her sister beyond all hope. Alive, whom she believed was sacrificed and, and dead. Psyche claims she's living in the house of a god as his bride, but Oriole can't see the house, except for during this moment um, that night as she gets up to get a drink of water. And she says it's a vision she only sees once briefly as she's kneeling by the stream and never tells anyone else about. It's, I it's love it. an amazing passage
0: the the detail and the significance it it takes in her in her narrative as we see the immediate aftermath of this and how she hides this incident from from herself and from everyone she divulges everything else to right like she goes later and talks with um with the fox and with bardia but she never admits this to them um but here she admits it to us as we read because she's presenting it as, as part of her case. And I think this is where in coming to this uh, confession, almost, um, she has to face it again in the retelling. Uh, and this, I think, may be the beginning not this moment as it happened, but this moment in her writing of the narrative of, of the turn for her and her salvation. Mm-hmm. That's my yeah. hypothesis I just came up with, so.
1: I think it's, I think it's a, a good one. Um, she is trying to make a case against the gods. And when you are making a case against God or the gods, you need to appeal to justice and not just like, oh, I don't like them, right? Um, And so in her appeal to justice, to to some sort of higher ideal of what is right and the gods are not in accordance with that thing that is right, right? Mm -hmm. She has to hold herself to that same standard and be honest about what exactly she saw. And uh, uh, one of the things she says about the apparition is, um, is basically that it... That it actually is another strike against the gods, right? Right. Um, At least this is the way she tries to spin it, right? That even though she saw the house that Psyche has been talking about uh, and it looked real Mm -hmm. and it wasn't just vague and it's also something that she wasn't able to get rid of in her mind for however many decades it's been since this happened, right? Um, So it's a concrete enough experience, that she remembers it years and years later, despite the fact that like, we often tend to recall things the way we want to recall them when, you know, we mm. when time passes, right? But she remembers it very clearly and she has to consciously not talk about it to the people that she tells this story to um, because she doesn't, she doesn't want to complicate her idea of the way the gods are one of the things she says is, um, and now you who read give judgment. That moment when I either saw or thought I saw the house, does it tell against the gods or against me? Would they, if they answered, make it a part of their defense? Say it was a sign, a hint, a beckoning me to answer the riddle one way rather than the other. I'll not grant them that. What is the use of a sign which is itself only another riddle? It might all allow so much. It might have been a true seeing. The cloud over my mortal eyes may have been lifted for a moment. It might not. What would be easier than for one distraught and not maybe so fully waking as as she seemed, gazing at a mist in a half-light to fancy what had filled her thoughts for so many hours? What easier even than for the gods themselves to send the whole furley for a mockery? Hmm. Either way, there's divine mockery in it. They set the riddle and then allow a seeming that can't be tested and can only quicken and thicken the tormenting whirlpool of your guesswork. If they had an honest intention to guide us, why is their guidance not plain? Psyche could speak plain when she was three. Do you tell me the gods have not yet come so far? Um, So
0: good. Yeah, I love, like she lists the mitigating factors like she, in discounting her own senses, right? Of, you know, why like I was half asleep, It might've been true, but, uh, isn't the easier answer that I was really stressed out. I had been through a lot. I was in a mist. It was really dark. And I had just talked to my sister about this palace that she believed in. And what if, what if I saw it just because of all these other things and then the furley for a mockery. Mm -hmm. So good.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, yeah.
0: I wonder too, um, it's so interesting the, I got my drink ice cold and I thought it steadied my mind. Like her her initial responses are actually so good and wholesome just as her initial response to the joy was why should my soul not dance, Mm -hmm. right? Why should not my heart be glad? Um, and then she has to answer it with all her bitterness and with all her suspicion of the gods, but would a river flowing do that? Or would it do the opposite, right? Like, aren't the gods just setting me up? Um, and because of that, where, where psyche had the response of, um, surrendering to the gods and to the rain, surrendering to the blessing, um, to the coldness of the water, Uh, Orwell resists yeah
1: yeah Um, yeah because at at heart um, still um, she wants psyche to belong to her um, and 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 not to the gods I mean that seems to be at the core of it that she loves with a possessive jealous love where she feels she's entitled to the whole of Psyche's being in a way that really only the gods
0: are. Yeah, there's a line later um, in one of the next chapters we'll get to where she's, uh, she's upset because she actually uh, holds herself as having, having made um, Psyche. Like, didn't, did I not teach her how to be the queen? Right. Every, all the nobleness that she has, that she's ruling with, like that's, that's because of me, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, which is crazy. Like I, and also just, I don't know any family relationship quite that, um, bent or twisted where you, yeah. you say to another, no, I made you what you are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, um, and, and you might know the four loves actually better than I do. Um, I've, I've read it before, but it was a long, long time ago. Um, uh, so maybe Lewis says something about this there. Cause I know a lot of people, you know, read till we have faces in conversation with the four loves. Right. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that Lewis is really good at getting at is, um, the strength of someone's love does not make it inherently a virtuous love to be followed completely. Right. Uh, that, that we, we tend to assume while our love for each other makes us human. And therefore if I feel a strong love for someone, be it, you know, my child or, um, you know, or, or, or spouse or parents or, 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 you know, whoever um, that must be in itself a good thing. Um, And it, and, and the kind of absolute demands that it makes on um, me and on them are almost like demands of God. right? Right. You know, and Lewis, you know, he, he does this a lot in great divorce. I know just sort of questions like, okay, yes, we have these primal, very strong loves but they need to be ordered and they need to be, you know, ordered according to, to what God wants. Uh, Because otherwise they'll ruin us. And the stronger the love and and the like higher a love supposedly is, the more we give it rain kind of unchecked in our, in our hearts and in our lives and the more it's going to ruin
0: us. Uh, It's interesting. So Eros in the four loves is the most likely to be, A god or a demon right the most likely to to make that sort of all-encompassing demand which is why it's so dangerous um but storge is dangerous in a different way because it's it sees every change as a threat right um Mm -hmm. and so it's it's the most conservative of all the loves Mm -hmm. and it um the least willing to give up on what was in the past. So for Orwell, it's not just that she wants Psyche to be her own. It's also that she wants that old relationship where she was the mother, where she was the one um, comforting Psyche and above her in some ways. And that Psyche has grown uh, is an affront to that love almost as much as that she has this other call on her life from her husband now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, you know, I look at my kids right now and um, I'm, you know, there's, there's, there's so much about this time that is exhausting, but, yeah, and and the more cynical part of me is almost like, yeah, it's like boot camp, like they're breaking you down so that you <laughs> so you're like brainwashed by the end, and your whole life consists of your kids, you know. Uh, but but the le- less cynical part of me is is just kind of you know so enjoys them at this age when they don't know the world outside of our home, you know, um, and you know, and, and for Davy, his school, but yeah, the process of allowing a child to mature, you know, and, and to find their own identity and their own passions, yeah. um, to say nothing of like the push and pull of like, to what extent do you intentionally shelter them? And to what extent do you, you know, take your hands off? But I, I can't imagine that it's not gonna hit us really hard when it happens, you know, um, cause it's, it's such a, uh, um, and I'm sure there'll be great things about it, but it's also just, I mean, the, just the 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 type of, I mean, parental love almost by definition is possessive because it's because it's so protective, and I'm sure you know you that's it's as prone to excess as anything else, um, which obviously it is here in Oriole's case.
0: Oh, I found the quote. What was there in her that was not my work? Yeah. Yeah. The look of scorn she gave me flayed my soul and yet this very nobleness in her had i not taught it to her and now she used it to look at me as if i were base beneath all baseness gosh it's good um so can you tell us what what furly f-e-r-l-y send the whole furly for a mockery uh well what's a furly
1: Well, it's funny. You should ask. Uh, So so this is a really fun word. It appears in a lot of Middle English texts, um, especially Middle English texts that feature some sort of um, uh, dream vision. Um, It's associated a lot of times with the idea of fairy, but I don't know that it's, and I have to look again, but I don't think it's etymologically connected with with the idea of fairy.
0: Wiktionary told me it was related to Old English fairlick. Is it, is yeah. that dictionary did, did yep.
1: lie? Nope, it's correct. Um, yeah, I encounter it a lot more in middle English texts, um, okay. usually. Um, so there's this, uh, we talked a little bit of last podcast with Andrew, um, which was, which was just fantastic. Was so and great. listeners, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. Um, I haven't produced it yet, but by the time you hear this, it should be out. <laughs> and so So go back and and you can
0: hear him on pints with Jack. That's right. That's right.
1: Please check out pints with Jack.
0: They're much Um, more professional than we are. You will like them.
1: They know what they're about, (laughs) but if you like, you know, if you like more rambling, then then hang (laughs) out here too. Uh, Speaking of which a furley it's basically, it's basically a strange sight or a vision uh, that someone sees. So you see it both in like texts about fairies and uh, in, in text where you see some sort of a, an anomaly and usually in the Middle English text. And I wrote like a whole paper about this. Uh, usually it then needs to be interpreted by the characters who see it. Oh. Uh, usually. Uh, so, so it's used in, um, we talked about the pearl poet last time he wrote another long poem it's usually called cleanness um and it has in it the story of of daniel and daniel's interpretation of the hand writing on the wall and it calls that hand writing on the wall of furley Ah. Um, and uh, but there are other other things like i believe uh there's an alliterative uh, uh poem and its name escapes me right now but but essentially um Arthur and his knights see a ghost um and the ghost warns them about things that were that are about to happen and that's described as a furly. so it's a strange event that cannot be easily categorized mm-hmm. uh, but that is often interpreted uh throughout the course of the poem and and um uh Lewis um you know was familiar enough with, with Middle English that um, that I can't think it's, you know, I, I don't I don't think in like mid 20th century everyday parlance, uh, furly is used all that much. Um, so I think he's like deliberately um, I mean invoking it, yeah. this Middle English word. Um, and it yeah. fits so well with this because this is a showing, a sign, like something out of fairy
0: uh, that must be interpreted yeah, and yes. that
1: has to be interpreted which is uh, which is super neat and it just thrilled the middle English uh, person in me to see that word and he um, she uh, repeats it again um, a little bit later but um, but God bless cs Lewis for for doing that. Um, <laughs> another thing in chapter 12 that happens that's super. Important is that Oriole tells Bardia about her conversation with Psyche, doesn't tell him about this Furley that she's seen about this about this house, but tells him everything else, and asks Bardia for his advice. And Bardia, you know, doesn't want to give his advice because he doesn't want to mess with the gods, and uh, he, you know, he listens, says nothing. She says, how do you read it all, Bardia? And he says, it, it's not my way to say more than I can help of God's and divine matters. I'm not impious. I, I wouldn't eat with my left hand or lie with my wife when the moon's full or slit open a pigeon to clean it with an iron knife or do anything else that's unchancy and profane, even if the king himself were to bid me. And as for sacrifices, I've always done all that can be expected of a man on my pay. But for anything more, I think the less Bardia meddles with the gods, the less they'll meddle, meddle with Bardia. Uh, Right, and she keeps pressing him, and then finally, um, you know, and says, "Why won't he? Why won't this god, you know, allow Psyche to to see him?" Um, And then finally, he says, "There doesn't seem to be much of a riddle about it." Um, I should say, speaking as a mortal man, I'm likely enough the gods know better. I should say, it was one whose face and form would give her little pleasure if she saw them. Right? Um, They called her the Bride of the Brute. So he's very reluctant to say anything that could maybe make the gods mad at him. But his interpretation of this sort of riddle of like, why isn't Psyche allowed to see her husband is, well, it's, you know, it's, it's ugly things that don't want you to see them. Right. Which, which goes along with his sort of like negative piety, um, right.
0: It's, it's the fear and the staying away. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh,
1: Cause he's, he's just kind of, you know, the, the less I meddle with them, the less they'll meddle with me. Right. That's the form that his piety takes. Uh, so he doesn't uh, expect, expect really much good from the gods, just bad stuff. Right. Um, if, if he, if he messes with them.
0: But is it, is it really bad stuff because, i mean i i think it's like he might expect bad stuff for himself but i i wonder too if it's just also him seeing his station because he in this whole discussion with orwell um he's like well she she says these things and who am i to give the blessed one Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and he keeps calling her oh you, you saw the blessed you um you've left the blessed Um, Mm -hmm. like his awe of psyche is also great. And his fear of her when um, previously, when he and Oral first encounter her um, with the the river flowing between them, he, he still has that strong reluctance to have anything to do. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. like I, I don't belong here you go on ahead or, well, because you have God's blood, but not me. I'm going to stay here where it's safe. Um, But he's not, he's not, um, he doesn't expect anything bad from Psyche or. Right. Right. Like he, I think he's afraid of what she has become in the, but in the holy sense, not necessarily the going to come out and smite me sense.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of of two minds about that. I'm not sure if, um, I'm not sure if it's fear in the sense that like, there's a place in the problem of pain where Lewis delineates types of fear, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and he says, on the one hand, you know, you have the fear where someone says there's a tiger in the next room, and then the type of fear where someone says there's a mighty spirit in the next room, right? Um, the
0: numinous, yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah and that the one is the fear of the numinous and the other is just like the fear that the tiger is going to eat you right and and those are different kinds of fear but um i mean i think and, and i think he'll ask for this as well there are different kinds of fear but they can be mixed and uh the type of fear that most people seem to have of the gods is seems to be uh, both, both in like ancient Greek stories and here, right. It seems to be like, just sort of common sense on the one hand, like, I don't want to mess with them because they'll do something awful to me. Right. (laughs) Uh, But, but then also, also this, this sense of the numinous, right. Which is a little more spiritually developed. Um, So when Bardia is like putting dust on his head in the presence of psyche, that seems to be sort of a response to numinous fear Right. But his like, I really don't want to say anything about the gods. I, I do. I do all these rituals to keep myself kind of safe from them yeah. hurting me. Right. Uh, and I don't want to like uh, the less I meddle with them, the less they'll meddle with me. Right. Um, whereas like w- when that fear is more numinous and less just kind of practical, the awe that is connected to the numinous it can be a kind of attraction. Right. Um, It, it it can, it can attract you to the, even, even if you're not like, you know, singing praise songs yet at that point. Right. Um, there's like a, there's a, there's an attractiveness about it. Um, or, or just something, you know, um, you know, again, obviously depending on, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just think, uh, um, Bardia seems to me to have sort of a mixture of it, and it might be mostly practical, uh, but I I could be wrong.
0: So she tells Bardia, and that's when we get to her resolution to save Psyche from this terrible fate one way or another. Up to and including
1: killing her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I had sworn that if there were no other way, I would have killed Psyche rather than leave her to the heat or hunger of a monster. Now again, I made a deep resolve.
1: So we have kind of this this parallel moment to this conversation with Bardia when she goes back uh, home in chapter 13 and comes back to the palace, right? And, and mm-hmm. um, apparently the fox has just sort of been waiting right who had been squatting there as my women told me like a cat at a mouse hole you know just waiting for um you know his daughter essentially to come back
0: right um and yeah uh, um so I'm so sorry but before no. we get to Bardia yeah, um, yeah the I just love all the all the whispers um it seems Orwell has uh, in her mind of of wisdom and humility and of even the gods trying to save her from herself, right? Um, and she has this, this moment of tenderness when she's reflecting on possibly killing Psyche. Her tenderness comes over and she cries. And in her tenderness, I even ask myself why I should save her from the brute or warn her against the brute or meddle with the matter at all. She is happy, said my heart. Whether it's madness or a god or a monster or whatever it is, she is happy. You've seen that for yourself. She's 10 times happier there in the mountain than you could ever make her leave her alone. Don't spoil it. Don't mar what you've learned. You can't make. And that, that moment of like, if she had listened <laughs> mm-hmm. and that, that grace coming. Um, but then she says like, in her interpretation, um, my heart did not conquer me. Right. She's going to rule over this this tenderness, um, with this deeper. She and I love that she's painting it as a deeper love, mm-hmm. almost like a deeper magic. I perceive now that there is a love deeper than theirs who seek only the happiness of their beloved. Would a father see his daughter happy as a whore? Would a mother see her lover? Oh, sorry. Would a woman see her lover happy as a coward? My hand went back to the sword. She shall not. I thought come what might, she should not. We are King's daughters still. I said, Mm -hmm. so it's like, it goes from she's happy, like, like almost wanting something good for psyche, almost being able to choose the best for psyche to we're talking about an honor killing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we are King's daughters. Um, Yeah. It's, A really intense battle inside her own soul which i i love that we get this really in-depth back and forth
1: yeah 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 absolutely i mean she talks about how the gods have not answered her and how the gods have not you know how silent they've been but you also see in this narrative that throughout they've been speaking to her um she just hasn't been taking their advice um (laughs) And because she hasn't been taking their advice, she isn't able to recognize them. Um, She isn't able to recognize the the voice of God, right? Um, It's a really interesting thing that she's doing here where she's talking about it in terms of love. And she does this again and again, right? Um, And in some ways, like, what she's saying is true, but it's also really a bad application of that, you know, of that idea, right? Um, that you want something better for yeah. someone than what's going to prove to be ultimately temporal happiness, right? Um, yeah. And, and she's not distinguishing between, you know, someone being happy as a whore or a coward and Psyche's quality of happiness, which, right. is, which is an eternal kind which is the kind of happiness that you want to see someone happy in.
0: It's, it's really interesting too, because it, um, it almost feels like a, a parallel perversion of uh, Lewis's chapter in the four loves on agape, when he talks about our love must be a real and costly love, mm-hmm. um, a love that that loves the sinner and grieves for the sin, like that, that the sin hurts us um, but it doesn't hurt us in, in psyche sacrifice, uh, sorry, in Orwell's sacrifice, it's, it's her willingness to sacrifice psyche, not to, <laughs> uh, for pride. It's not the self-sacrificing. If you cut me out of your life, or if you don't listen to me, I can take that for confronting your sin or what I perceive as your madness or whatever it is. Right. Right. Um, It's, it's very different, but it's so close that it it feels very justified. I'm like along those lines of, no, this is, this is the deeper love. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's even, it's even self-sacrifice in the sense that she's prepared to kill herself. Right. Which (laughs) is of course the threat that she, but, but it's, but it's not, that's not real self-sacrifice because it's an insistence on control. Right. Right. Um, and, consist- and insistence on, weaponizing
0: you know, love. Yeah,
1: it's, yeah. yeah. Um, instead of, all right, I'm going to do the hard thing and and I'm going to give up my right to this person. But yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a great portrait of how someone um, could, you know, be confused enough to do this to somebody that they love. And, and, you know, self-confused, but still confused. Um, um, so she has a parallel conversation with the Fox, um, to the one that she has on Bardia uh, with Bardia. And the interesting thing about this is, um, you know, the, the thing that she gets the Fox to say, and the thing that she gets Bardia to say, um, um, in In some ways are are quite similar, right both of them say, well, the reason that this supposed god that um that uh, psyche is the bride of won't let her see um his face is because there's something that he doesn't want her to know right um, just the fox is much more sort of rationalistic and anti supernaturalist about it um but um, um, she, she manages to sort of weave both of their explanations together, even though in some ways they're contradictory um, in order to fully convince herself that by, you know, trying to kill Psyche or by killing Psyche and herself or threatening to kill Psyche and herself, she's ultimately um, helping Psyche. Um, But um, but there are so many things about this in chapter thirteen, where where she talks to mm. um, the fox that are that are just um, they're just such lovely um, moments, and 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 I, I really think this is probably one of the places where Lewis characterizes their relationship, uh, you know, in, in some ways um, uh, the best um, mm. in this conversation between the two of them.
0: i i love that it opens up with his joy over knowing that psyche is alive and he makes a libation to zeus the savior which is funny for the the rationalistic greek um (laughs) he did it greek fashion with a clever twist of the cup that lets fall just one drop (laughs) yeah Um, i love that detail yeah and I feel as if my heart would crack for joy, child. You tell me things almost beyond belief um, that he does enter into joy that Orwell herself could not, where she should mm. be even just at the the gift that Psyche was not killed on the mountain, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like the, the libation to Zeus the savior. I, I got to figure he means, he's, he's not talking about Zeus from right. Homer. He's talking about, Zeus from Plato, right? Like, like the this this principle of uh, divine do, yeah. aid, right? Um, that, yeah. that gets the name Zeus. This is how Pla- uh, This is how Socrates could defend himself from being accused. And granted, the fox and Socrates have different philosophies, but this is part of how Socrates could defend himself from, you know, the accusation that he uh, was. Um, teaching the youth that there were no gods, uh, and right. teaching them impiety and things like that, right? I and mean, he says a lot of things that are similar to what Foxes, what Fox, what the Fox says, even though um, ultimately they they differ on things.
0: And then she, she, I told him the whole story, always accepting that one glimpse mm-hmm. in the fog. I love the always accepting that. I mean, just we didn't need the always, but. We do know the always, and that's I think pretty revealing. Yeah. Uh, and watching the light go out of his face as the fox's solution is that well, she's she must be crazy, and he recommends he- hellebore. <laughs> that she needs a, a potion of hellebore uh, to put her in the right frame of mind.
1: And then they're trying to figure out well, how are we going to do this, right? And how are we going to bring her back down? Yeah, and 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 she uh, she's sort of like, uh, so so you think she's mad for certain, right? Um, mm-hmm. Trying both to sort of at the same time justify her own desire to take control of the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but also. She's, um, you know, at the same time, she, she's not as grounded in the fox's beliefs as the fox is, right? So, so she's not an anti-supernaturalist in the right. same way that, that the fox is, right? Um, he darted a quick, a quick glance at me. Why, why, daughter? What have you been thinking? Um, And she says, you weren't with her grandfather. She talked so calmly. There was nothing disordered in her speech. She could laugh merrily. Her glance wasn't wild. If I'd had my eyes shut, I would have believed her palace was as real as this. But your eyes being open, you saw no such thing.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. And I I guess, you know, that's that's an interesting. um,
0: Yeah. Right Absolutely. There.
1: And she's being, she's being dishonest by saying, well, yeah. actually I did. Right. Um, yeah.
0: She just asked another question. Yeah. You don't think not possibly not a mere hundredth chance. There might be things that are real, though we can't see them. She does not answer him.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, and, and also though she's, you know, she's justifying, not telling him the truth by saying, well, he'd never believe it in the first place. Right. right?
0: Uh, and, without and that's, actually giving him the chance of his own accord to right. yeah
1: with her saying hey look here's the crazy thing I saw um, and I mean to her credit he probably would just say all the things that she said after seeing that Furley mm-hmm. right and I'm like oh well your you know, thoughts of this thing filled your mind and you'd been under a lot of strain and uh, you know all, all of these other things but yeah it would have given him more um, than she's giving him here and possibly would have shaken him a bit more out of his uh, complacency. But yeah, she, she asks, are, are, are you absolutely sure there might not be things that are real that we can't see them? And Fox gives this great Greek answer, right? <laughs> Certainly I do things such as justice, equality, the soul, or musical notes, right? Which is <laughs> it's also just like right out of Plato. It's great. Uh, oh, grandfather, I don't mean things like that. If there are souls, could there not be soul houses? He ran his hands through his hair with an old, familiar gesture of teacher's dismay. Child, he said, you make me believe that after all these years, you have never even begun to understand what the word soul means.
0: The word soul.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is, which is crazy. Uh, yeah. And interesting. Uh, and I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, but, uh, yeah.
0: Um, well, I, I mean... I may be totally overreading this, but after all these years, Orwell doesn't understand who Psyche is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: I don't know if I understand who Psyche is either. <laughs> to be honest, and I don't know if we'll get that get there during during this Here. conversation. But it's I still have some unanswered questions on that front too. Um, uh, and I honestly, um, you know. He he seems to mean that principle within humans, which is called divine, which makes them, um, right, which gives them the ability to apprehend truth, right, um, right, uh, as well as I can understand anyway,
0: right. And that's why, like on the next page, he says, you know, I child, when shall I wash the nurse and the grandam and the priest and the soothsayer out of your soul? Do you think the divine nature? Why. It's profane, ridiculous. You might as well say the universe itched, or the nature of things sometimes tippled in the wine cellar. I, I love that.
1: I really yeah. like that too. Uh, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, and that's that's such a good distillation of what mm-hmm. he's kind of saying here, right? That the divine nature is. Um, it's that, that in order to be greater than humans, um, the divine nature must be sort of beyond personality, not in the way that Lewis means it when he writes that chapter in mere Christianity, but, um, uh, but beyond personality. And, in and, in, in, in one of the ways that he actually, like, I think, um, uh, sets up as this is not the way God is beyond personality. Right. And right? in, in, in the same chapter, uh, as far as I can remember. Um, but, um, yeah, that, um, that be these things being sort of universal, they can't also be particular. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, um, yeah. Um, or, or if they do, it's a diminishment, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure I understand the, uh, marriagey aspect of this whole, you know, without, without allegorizing it, right. The, the right. marriagey aspect of the whole psyche God of the mountain relationship and how Oriol gets to be psyche too, uh, eventually and, uh, and all that, um, <laughs> uh, that, that doesn't make sense to me either. But, um, you know, obviously, um, it really doesn't make sense to um, to the fox. Um, and what's interesting about this is that both for you know this is foolishness to the Greek mm. and a, a stumbling
0: block a stumbling block to the the Gnomians. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah
1: mm-hmm. It's uh, um, uh, neither neither common philosophy um, mm-hmm. of, of either people. There, there's a way to while there might be a lot that's good in both, there's a way to miss God in both too. Right. Um, because the human heart is really good at missing God. So they're, they're both sort of uh, sort of miscounseling yeah. or but at the same time, the problem is with Orioles will, right. She doesn't want to be, she, she's not looking for truth here
0: no but she she was looking for is this thing false and even though Mm -hmm. not both of these could be true yeah i love so um later when she goes into the doctrines of gloom and the wisdom of greece um she says you know i now saw that i had strangely taken both bardia's example and the foxes while each each while it lasted for certain truth yet one must be false and i could not find out which for each was well rooted in its own soil mm-hmm. if yeah. the things believed in gloam were true then what bardia said stood if the fox's philosophy were true what the fox said stood but i could not find out whether the doctrines of gloam or the wisdom of greece were right i was the child of gloam and the pupil of the fox i saw that for years my life had been lived in two halves never fitted together I must give up then, trying to judge between Bardia and my master. Mm. And as soon as I said that, I saw, and I wondered that I had not seen before, that it made no difference, for there was one point on which both agreed. Both thought that the evil or shameful thing had taken Psyche for its own. Murdering thief or spectral shadow brute, did it matter which? The one thing neither of them believed was that anything good or fair came to her in the night no one but myself had dallied with that thought even for a moment because no one but she saw it. and she mm-hmm. didn't tell them what she saw like yeah. i she's withholding this key evidence in her argument yeah. and no one can make a fair judgment on it because she's she's not telling them the full story yeah, yeah. 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 And
1: I think, uh, you know, I think your point before just, that uh, you know, writing it out in this book and then this book becoming an instrument of her conversion, like that's yeah. the thing that needed to come out, um, in order for everything else to all these other defenses to just sort of unravel. Um, right. and she's not allowing them, uh, you know, she's not allowing it to come out, um, yet. Um, uh, anything else we should mention in this chapter? I feel like there's so much.
0: The um the foxes you darken our councils in your own soul with these passions. Um, like he, Orwell's revulsion when she realizes what the fox thinks that, um, that psyche has been taken by by a felon. Basically, mm-hmm. like there's a mountain man who has convinced her that he's a god and she has been living with him and they have to hopefully get her before she bears his child or anything worse happens. Um, And the horror that is to Orwell because of her pride. Like Mm -hmm. uh, this is where I think when I first read it, I realized how much of uh, Orwell's pride was speaking. And I think it's in the same chapter. Oh yeah. Yeah. When she she reveals to the fox her her resolution to kill Psyche if there's no mm-hmm. other way, and he cries out, "Daughter, daughter, you are transported beyond all reason and nature. Do you know what it is? There's one part love in your heart and five parts anger and seven parts pride." I love that because um, yeah. it's so right. Like he's he's got her her number there um that sounds like the worst drink ever too one part <laughs> five parts anger seven parts pride it's super gross um yeah and, and he was like you know it's a bitter grief and I love her and I don't want her lying in a beggar's arms yet but it's not it wouldn't be worth murdering her like that's mm-hmm. that that would be the great horror um yeah
1: yeah yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm um I think I think part of it is pride and I think part of it is also just uh again like culture cra- culture clash, mm-hmm. right? Um that um in Glone they believe that the royals are um of the gods, right? Mm-hmm. And and honor ideas of shame and honor are a lot more like they are sort of universally. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in Greece, among the philosophers, they seem to be, they seem to have deconstructed all that a mm-hmm. little bit more, mm-hmm. right? Um, so um, he's saying to be to be poor and in hardship, to be a poor man's wife, right? Not so bad uh, compared to like being unhappy, right? Um, uh, and, and Oriole says, wife, you mean his troll, his drab, his whore, his slut? And then the fox just says, nature knows nothing of these names. What you call marriage is by law and custom, not nature. Nature's marriage is but the union of a man who persuades with a woman who consents. So the man who persuades or more likely forces or deceives being some murderer, alien, traitor, runaway, slave, or other filth. And then the fox goes, filth, perhaps I do not see it as you do. I am an alien and a slave myself and ready to be a runaway to risk the flogging and impaling for your love and hers.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, right. Um, yeah. But uh he he views it. This is why he's been able to keep um uh from feeling demeaned, right? right? Um, as a slave all of these years, because he believes that all people have divine blood, right? Because all people have the this principle inside of them um and and that um you know that that social status is not something intrinsic to someone's identity right, right. um whereas and and to the point where he's he's a bit of a radical about it right um, mm-hmm.
0: we um, are all one
1: yeah. even the
0: man who has taken psyche i have called him a rascal and a villain too likely he is but it may not be a good man might be an outlaw and a runaway i was silent all this meant nothing to me. I love mm. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, she's gotten enough of his teaching to sort of be immune to the best parts of it. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's what children are like. <laughs> um,
0: oh, I love, I love this too. The, um, <clears throat> the, Oh, this is where men fail us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, their heart is never so wholly given to any matter, but that some trifle of a meal or a drink or a sleep or a joke or a girl may come in between them and it. And then, even if you are a queen, you'll get no more good out of them till they've had their way. In those days, I had not yet understood this. <laughs> I mean, just her, her old lady wisdom of this is what men are like.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: They, they, they do not have the one track determination mind of I or while well, queen of gloam, they are distracted by little things like sleep. Yeah. How dare they? Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I mean, spoken as someone who by the time she's an old lady would know, right. I
0: mean, yeah.
1: she, she mostly works with men. Um, she's, she's not so much in women's society uh, for the bulk of her life because she's the queen so yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, 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 does sound really contemptuous, um, but it's also, it also just kind of sounds like, oh yeah, I know, I know how they work, you know, kind of like yeah. when Barty is talking about the way the king views, uh, you know, the guys that he can understand, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, is, and is more, although like rather than breeding sort of easy familiarity on Oriole's part, it just seems to breed more sort of, uh, it's
0: like man (laughs) men uh Uh, but then i'm so sorry to keep going there's just too much good in this chapter um her self-realization you are alone orwell whatever is to be done you must devise and do it no help will come all gods and mortals have drawn away from you you must guess the riddle and that like that's the lie. Like that's the core lie of her life. Whenever she's like, Oh no, I'm no one loves me. And then she has people nearly killing themselves in love for her, whether it's the Fox or her women or little Pooby, who she is so thoughtless to, but who is devoted to her. Right? right. Like it's. um, And, and the gods have not drawn away. If anything, they've been calling to her this whole time. Yeah. yeah. But, but her, her response here um and then this uh this fascinated me when i first read it and i i still am just like wow okay then i did a thing which i think few have done i spoke to the gods myself alone in such words as came to me not in a temple and without a sacrifice i stretched myself face downward on the floor and called upon them with my whole heart I took back every word I had said against them. I promised anything they might ask of me. If only they would send me a sign. They gave me none. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, like the, the thing within her to cry out to the gods and to ask, um, so interesting like i you feel it's it's not as simple as oh well she's just closed off to the gods or she her bitterness has blinded her her jealousy has blinded her um like she she does see and she does long for and you feel that push and pull the whole time in this book and i i'm just so um mystified but in like the the good way of what is this this mystery of the operations upon her in this moment um and within her yeah
1: yeah it's 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 such a good realistic touch um um in this in this story that everyone's had that experience right whether you believe in god or or not um Everyone has had the experience of praying and calling out for a very long time to God and nothing, yeah. seemingly nothing happening, right?
0: Well, it's, um, it's also Lewis's experience the night before his mom died mm-hmm. that he, he prayed, he cried out, and lost his mother. Yeah. And that's when he was like, okay, I'm done. Like, Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I thought of that too. Um, yeah. And, yeah.
0: Um, and it's, it would be so much easier to just be like, oh, while she's so dumb. She doesn't get the gods love her and are after her this whole time. But like, these are riddles and uh, tragedies. Um that make the grace more mysterious and more compelling too. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, she's not, she's also, you know, she's, she's not recognizing
0: the signs when they come, the yeah. signs
1: when they come, but she does, it seems, recognize them as she's rehearsing them long after the fact. Right. Right. Um, and, and clearly the gods, uh, as we'll find out, spoiler alert, I'm sorry. Um, okay. Clearly the gods are um, speaking to her through the writing of this book. Um, and, uh, and so she can put that experience down. And then she's also forced to put down uh, the vision of the house and the voices in her mind and in her heart you know, um, trying to get her to give up her insistence on being happy her way, which is not possible, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I love that passage too. Um, another passage that I really love is, uh, when the fox is trying to undermine, um, Bardia by talking about (laughs) Bardia's wife, (laughs) <laughs> um, and how this kind of colors her interactions with Barney, Bardia like after, you know, after yeah. this uh, point because she's jealous, right? Um, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out, well, what, what, what do we do if we get Psyche down from the mountain? Like, where, where can she stay? Um, and, uh, you know, Oriole says, I thought we could hide her in Bardia's house. And the fox goes, Bardia, "'He'd never take one who's been sacrificed into his house. "'He's afraid of his own shadow "'where God's and old, old wives' tales are concerned. "'He's a fool.' Ooh. "'That he is not,' said I sharply <laughs> enough, "'for the fox often <laughs> Neville me in his contempt "'for very brave and honest people "'if they had no tincture of his Greek wisdom. "'And if Bardia would,' the fox added, "'that wife of his wouldn't let him. "'And everyone knows that Bardia's tied "'to his wife's apron, apron strings. "'Bardia? and such a man. "'I couldn't have believed.' Ha! He's as amorous as Alcibiades. Why, the fellow <laughs> the fellow married her on Dowered for her beauty, if you please. The whole town knows of it, and she rules him like her slave. She must be a very vile woman, Grandfather. Um, <laughs> so, it's so great. Um, and the fox knows exactly how to, you know, as Oriole's sticking up for Bardia, I mean, I'm sure it's subconscious, but he knows how to, like, undermine that admiration for Bardia through jealousy um um, i love the reference to alcibiades who's like the the athenian general who is kind of like the bad boy playboy uh disgraced general um who makes an appearance in the symposium and he's like madly in love with socrates and uh and socrates isn't interested in him and uh uh you know he's just talking about all the times he tried to seduce socrates and socrates wasn't having it but uh yeah it's a fun little touch so we can go now to our um question of the week which is this i'm not sure why i think i think it might have been as simple as like hearing the word nothing <laughs> it made me think of the never ending story um uh, uh, of course um uh, so my uh, that's yeah. that's yeah. the one. That's the one. <laughs> and by the way, readers, if you've never read the the Neverending Story, it is worth reading. It's so good. Um, it's a it's a children's book, but it's so much fun. Uh, but but the '80s fantasy movie is probably most of our introductions to it, and as as it was mine. Uh, so that made me think a bit um, about '80s fantasy movies in general and how they always have amazing synth um, being played. Um, and and uh, sometimes old, Muppets or very yeah. often yeah and very often Muppets um, so I guess my question for for this week is this if you had to direct an 80s fantasy movie based on till we have faces how would you approach it
0: you you think of directing and like casting the whole thing and I'm always just like here's a one-to-one analogy that doesn't fit at all but it's funny to me because I was going to go with labyrinth because of the labyrinthine Mm. uh, pillars when she sees the the vision. Yeah, yeah. David 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 Bowie Bowie. could be
1: the god of the mountain. Oh my
0: gosh. (laughs) Um, Super freaky shadow brute right there. Uh, (laughs) And we don't understand why he's so creepy and why we're stuck running around. Um, Yes. Yeah. It's a little too... I don't really I don't think Muppets actually belong until we have faces. No, I could see
1: them in Narnia. Um, yeah, that would be fine. but they don't
0: really work here. So um, what's the one with um, Michelle Pfeiffer?
1: Um, so there was a there was a
0: Stardust.
1: Yeah, but that that's yeah. that's in the style of a lot of these 80s movies, but it's like from 2000. No I'm not all gonna say. Um, really? Um, yeah, yeah. My, yeah. Oh,
0: what's the Tom Cruise one where he runs around in like a diaper?
1: Yes, uh, <laughs> that is. <laughs> I mean, which one? <laughs> that's like every Tom Legend. Cruise movie, isn't it? Legend. Yes, yeah.
0: yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I wish I knew more about the direction. Um, it'd be a lot more fun to do, like. It's not exactly fantasy, but to do like Goonies and have something um, Mm. on the hunt, like you could have like Sean Astin as um, Graham uh, leading the way up the mountain again.
1: Oh, we didn't get to Graham yet. Um, No.
0: (laughs) I'm excited to get to Graham. (laughs) Poor Graham. (laughs) Poor
1: Graham. He's the worst.
0: Um, Oh yeah. No, your turn. You, 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 have to have something good for this.
1: I wish I did. Yeah. So I I think, you know, the whole plot of till we have faces now that I think about it doesn't scream eighties fantasy movie, but I think, (laughs) I think we could make it fit and I think we could do that most cleanly by turning the Fox into basically a Muppet um, who, who is a Fox.
0: Yes. And uh, I like this. This is a yeah. good direction. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think that could, that could be good. And then the shadow brute, instead of being, you know, God or whatever, would be like an actual shadow brute. Right. Uh, but there's like the a beauty and the beast kind yeah. of thing still going on. Right. So you get to like, have like Jim Henson work his magic with the, yeah. um, you know, with like a, a luck dragon kind of, kind of thing right Um, and Psyche would be played by a star who's unrecognizable as herself today because of plastic surgery do
0: you remember was her name Ione Ione Sky I don't know um uh she uh she wasn't say anything she's dark haired um I don't know But yeah, someone like that. Someone who was really, like, a thing in the 80s and then just dropped out of sight. Yes, Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then Oriol, I feel like veils are all well and good, but it would be cooler if she had a helmet, like, just to bit like, the Mandalorian (laughs) or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So, uh... You know, because she's like a warrior, right? So she needs a, a sort of helmet yeah. thing and uh, would mostly be fighting a lot of people and not so much talking all the time, right? <laughs> don't need all of that. This is a visual medium. Let's have her fighting through a host of bad guys.
0: Yeah, um, but I think we still, we definitely need the, the great hall and the mirror. I feel like the mirror scene would play really well like if we're in any 80s fantasy movie but especially like a labyrinth style or any yes sort of thing yeah yeah. yeah yeah yeah
1: you mean like the dream sequence at the end of the book or do you mean that uh, too but
0: but even just when her father brings her in front of the mirror or yeah. like yeah. yeah the mirror is yeah
1: I mean, the, the funky dream sequence at the end, I could really see it being like a labyrinth type thing. Like yeah. that, that part where she like thinks she's back in her yeah. room, you know, and then the room gets invaded by like muppets with a bunch of junk on their back. And
0: yes. uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and she figures out she's not really. There should be some sort of a, um, in addition to the fox, um, there should be some sort of a flying. Muppet guy like uh, I don't know maybe she has a pet owl
0: That's sidekick, um, yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how we deal with the you know the fact that ultimately kind of the climax is this moment with Psyche being you know having everything um, taken from her that we're about to get to um, uh, and then all the battles and all that cool stuff comes afterwards, right? She doesn't really care about it. Uh, we'd have to find some way to change the story a little bit so she's battling you know, to get to psyche.
0: I, you know what it reminds me of actually is like those great '90s TV miniseries. Like there was one on the Odyssey.
1: Yeah, that, I, I love. I make my classes yeah. watch that. Um, really? Yeah, I make.
0: It's, it's... Is Sam Neil Odysseus, or did I make that up? Who, who's Odysseus?
1: I don't. Well, maybe it is Sam Neil. I don't think so, but but yeah, it's a. Uh, um, yeah, I mean if we're if we're gonna do like a sort of '90s miniseries and just yeah. sort of spin that out, then um, you know to revisit well trodden ground already um, that we that we trod in. Uh, uh, the discussion of war in heaven. Um, it would be more like, a, um, if not a Highlander type of thing, um, <laughs> like a like a Oriole warrior princess, or sort of a uh, uh, what's the one where he travels through time? Uh,
0: we were talking about Highlander. Yeah, you, you travel through time like quantum leap. Yeah,
1: yeah, like quantum, yeah. Leap, quantum okay. leap. So like yeah. in quantum leap, there's still like <laughs> there's still like this arc to quantum leap, right? where it's like he wants to one day get back home and that's what's motivating him throughout but there are these little mini adventures that he has throughout as well so Oriole could have like these mini adventures in these different lands with Muppets and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, but the whole time she's just trying to get back to Psyche her sister yeah I think we I think we've Nailed
0: it. We've hit it. Uh, yeah. 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 So um, call our agents. We are available. I will have summers off for writing, and so will Chris. so Yeah.
1: I am a temperamental auteur, however. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just be prepared to work with someone who's hard to work with.
0: He'll go medievalist on your. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. Uh,
1: but I am fully willing to ruin this work of literature for the sake of my <laughs> book. So. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, call me. All right. Well, listeners, that's all the time we have for today. Um, if you have your own ideas of a good 80s movie or 90s continuing series that could be made out of we Out Faces, um, please give us a call and we'll steal your idea. Until next time.
0: Uh, don't lie about your visions.
1: Don't, yeah. Don't lie about your visions. Um,
0: share share the the furley yeah
1: all right so with that pearl of wisdom uh, good night <laughs> and good luck This encounter, full of joy, unscheduled on the decent plan,
0: with here an addict of Tolkien, there a Charles Williams fan.